You know, on big fight weeks, Dana White likes to go on Twitter and say, it's fight week! And there's not enough ease to articulate my excitement for fight week of UFC 262, but uh, I'll do my best over the next 90 minutes. Hey, everybody, I'm TJ DeSantis along with Pearl Gonzalez, and uh, we're starting things the right way. I mentioned it's a big fight week, so we might as well uh, come with the big guns to kick off extra rounds. Please be joined now by NFL football player Gerald McCoy. Uh, Gerald, uh, I know you're a fight fan. Are you uh, Are you going to be in front of the TV on Saturday night watching UFC 262? <laughs> I am for sure. My, uh, you know, what's crazy is I'm a huge fan, but my wife might be a bigger fan than me. Like we try and keep up with the schedule and, uh, we always on the go. So we like each other's friendly reminder. And, uh, last weekend I was driving and she was like, Hey, you know, we got to get home. Right. I'm like, we got to get home for us. She was like, you do realize fights are on this weekend. I'm like, oh, shoot. You're right. I love it. I so, love yeah. it. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's and awesome. I'm, and I'm pulling for Mike. You know, I trained at um, – Mike trained at a gym called Fitness Quest 10 out here in San Diego where I'm at now. And I actually had an opportunity to train with Mike. So it was cool, man. So I've been a fan of his ever since he came in and got in one of our sessions. Obviously, you're a world-class athlete playing football at the highest level. And, you know, being around someone like Michael Chandler, who, you know, he has had such a, a unique run, Gerald, you know, going through, uh, you know, Bellator becoming champion there and then coming into the UFC. Uh, I mean, the way that he performed against Dan Hooker, it really, uh, you know, sort of fast-tracked him to this uh, big fight coming up on Saturday against Charles Oliveira. Were you surprised when you found out that Michael Chandler was getting that UFC title fight this early in his run, or did it all make sense? No, it made sense, man. If you follow Mike throughout his whole career, man, he's just extremely dominant. But uh, what he did to Hooker is incredible because I remember, if I'm not uh, – wrong on this hooker had a great fight with uh poirier correct yeah yeah and that's where i actually first time i got to see hooker fight so i was like you know this should be pretty good but i mean mike just took him apart and i've been trying to get my wife hippo mike and just letting her know man this this dude is dominant he's the he's the next superstar so i'm excited see Mike this weekend, and I'm for sure going to be watching. This is always a weird question to ask another man about their wife, but I'm curious. Does your wife have a type? Does she Does she like to, yeah. ch- to cheer for a certain type of fighter? Yeah, she's a, she's an Izzy fan. Oh, yeah. I mean, how can yeah. you not be, right? <laughs> she like anybody who's a showman. So she's, okay. really, she's really big on Izzy, and I mean, he's just so dominant. Uh, but yeah, she's a, she, she's a huge Izzy fan. Does uh, I mean, so, does she see a lot of yourself into Israel Adesanya? I got to imagine. I mean, that you. Yeah, I mean, nah, nah. He's a little more outspoken than I am. Uh, I'm outspoken, but Izzy is, he's next level with it. And I'm a, um, I'm a Bones fan. Um, I'm a Lioness fan. I love the Lioness, man. She's a, the thing I love about her is she'd knock you out and just be so humble about it. She's just a sweetheart, but right. she's just like, she's like a monster in the ring. So. Um, but yeah, my wife, she's a, she's a big Izzy fan. Oh, and she loves Poirier. She loves Poirier. She's pulling for Poirier to win again. What is it about Dustin that she likes? She just like his, she like his swag, man. It's a white dude from Louisiana and he just carry himself that way. You know, like kind of how he, his bop when he, you know, when he fighting, he don't have like this traditional, you know, like fighter type style he's kind of like fight like he from the street and she just like his swag man and he's just his hands are serious and that's what that's what i like most about him man he's willing to throw with anybody 
No, 100%. Um, I mean, we have so many good fights coming up. This is one thing that I love about uh, mixed martial arts more than any other sport is there's real no real season. You know what I mean? It's just week after week after week. Just watch it. I yeah. just watch it, man. And I'm going to be honest, man. I say about 80% of the guys, I don't know their names. I know faces. So if I seen a face, okay. I'm like, oh, yeah, I seen him fight before. I want to watch him. Right. And then once I see the face, I put the name with it, and that's how I keep up. But when I tell you I'm every weekend, I'm checking to see if there's a fight, and my wife and I, we sit and watch the whole event. And if we miss it, I have uh, ESPN Plus, so I go back and watch it. I have the UFC app, so I go back and watch it. Nice. We, just, we, don't, we don't miss many fights. That's how Pearl shows up for this show. She doesn't ever remember my name. She just knows my face. And then when she sees me, it's like, oh, yeah, TJ, right. extra rounds. That's how we work. <laughs> All right. So, so I have a question for you. Um, did your wife happen to see uh, Michael Chandler's post-fight um, interview? No, I After he knocked did. out Hooker. Oh, my God. She likes showmanship. Did. That was one of the greatest post-fight speeches ever yeah. so you can pull it up on youtube i will it is inc i mean he, he not only was he a showman but he touches on every point that any good man and morally and would would want to aspire to be like it was incredible after he knocked out hooker i was i don't know what was more impressive the performance or the post-fight speech well i think they go hand in hand man you know you train the way they train and i was so what i had to figure out is when i seen mike training with us i'm like okay well when does he you know, work on his like actual fighting. And um, Dominic Cruz actually trains at the same gym I train at. And he's been in there and he told me they go in phases. So they go in to get stronger, work out, like uh, get more, get better of an athlete phase. Then they mm -hmm. go into the actual training where they work on the wrestling and they work on the striking and they work on, you know, like real conditioning and, and sparring and you know it's just phases they go in and i thought i thought that was pretty cool because us as athletes as football players when we train we just train then we hit the field and that's that's the extent of it you know we train we do stuff that we do that's position work on the field and that's it but when i learned about the phases that a fighter goes through i thought that was incredible yeah, yes I mean, it's you know with mma there's so many different techniques and tools that that you have to learn and master especially at the highest level I almost like to think of uh, MMA fighters like with uh, ADHD because it's it's you can't focus on one thing too long. Yes, you can you can focus on getting strong, but then that takes away from when you go into the gym and, and you're right. in jujitsu and now you're pulling muscles because you you know because you just broke down your body. And it is it's a very intricate it's 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 a very complicated way to train because in the morning maybe you have boxing and, and you're doing drilling and then you come and then you have maybe strength and conditioning and then you come back at night and you're doing jujitsu and you're drilling and then maybe you're doing sparring and you do you have to like every fighter's different in how they approach their camps mm -hmm. or they approach their their style of training but it is in mma there's so many tools and tips that, and places that you have to master yeah that's it's incredible man and it's it's i as a as a professional athlete, you have so much respect for another professional athlete, especially when you have a chance to sit down and talk to them about their profession and what goes into it. Because I know what goes into my profession and how hard I work. You know, I do two and three session days, so I can only imagine the type of uh, work you guys put yourself through. Especially, I mean, you sit there, and you watch, you just watch what leads up to it. That has that has 
you just see that. But then you get in the ring and you get hit all in the face and bleeding and his eyes closed and he might break your nose and then this leg hurt, you limping all over. And they like, oh, yeah, you got two more five-minute rounds. I'm like, no, nah, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> ain't that good. We wear helmets and shoulder pads and we protected it all the time. No, I ain't. No, nah, y'all got it. Yeah, I got it. I you know, I, I, I love uh, chatting with football players like yourself. We had a chance, uh, Pearl and I, to speak with Mercedes Lewis a few weeks ago. And, and just the amount of respect that he had for mixed martial arts and, and yourself in that same uh, boat. It, it's, it's interesting to hear football players who are among the most badass people on the planet. The amount of punishment that you guys take, for all intents and purposes, mm-hmm. you might as well be out there in a fight for four quarters. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, your appreciation uh, for what athletes like Pearl uh, does, Gerald, it's really refreshing. And I'm curious, did you immediately see this in mixed martial arts or did it take you a while to come around to the sport? What was your introduction to MMA like? Yeah, my first fight, the crazy thing is my first fight was before, it was right after I got drafted. And okay. my first fight I ever seen was uh, Rampage versus Rashad Evans. Okay. And it was in Vegas. I was actually at the fight. And um, and I was just watching like, man, these dudes are really just like street fighting in there. Like, yeah. that's what it seemed like at first. But yeah. then once I got into it, I seen like how much technique and a guy might be good on his feet, but then when you get him on the ground, it could be a completely different fighter. Right. And it's a person who has a great mix. They hard to deal with, but some people they're just good enough standing up, but if they can get you on the ground, you're going to have a long night. And once I started seeing the different dynamics of what goes into it, that's when I really gained a lot of respect for you know what you guys do and it's it's incredible to me because technique is what carries you the furthest in any profession especially in in athletics and the technique is so key you know it looks like they're just kind of brawling right there's so much technique like learning on the fly like you get into a fight you watch your film and as you're watching the fight you're still learning what this person what their game plan is you know, uh, like Usman said in his fight, he with Masvidal, he said, I kept making him think, you know, he thought that I was going to wrestle and wrestle and wrestle. So I kept making him think in the first round that that's what I was going to do. But then in that second round, because he was he was baiting him, baiting yep. him. And even uh, Masvidal said, that's what I thought he was doing. I thought he was going to wrestle me all fight. So I just I just respect you guys so much with everything that goes into it. And I'm a I'm a de- I'm a defender. So and I'm a technician. So I love to see different techniques and people who are great at what they do. I mean, it's it's so cool to hear you say that, because mm-hmm. I think for a very long time, mixed martial arts and the fighters that made up the ranks of MMA did not get the respect from the mainstream world that I think they definitely uh, deserved. Uh, but but I think there's a lot more in common with, you know, stick and ball athletes is uh, mixed martial arts than than people tend to, to think. And one thing that jumped off the page for me, Gerald, was looking at your background. You came in, uh, you know, highly touted, you know, top five five prospect in football in the country and you know the, the immense amount of pressure that has to be 
uh, put upon yourself is the same as, say, uh, a Michael Chandler, who, you know, came into the UFC as a, a champion outside the organization. But we know more than anything in, in this country, if you're not a UFC champion, if you don't have the success in the UFC, the, the casual audience doesn't give the respect uh, that I think a lot of people are are worthy of, especially you know someone like Michael Chandler is one of the greatest lightweights uh, of all time. What do you think uh, about your experience coming into uh, you know high level uh, football? You know, going from the amateur status to getting into the pro status. D- do you think any of that pressure uh, is one to one in comparison? Uh, you know, with football players and, and mixed martial artists that have a, a point to prove, if you will. Oh, yeah, as far as a point to prove, I think it's a lot harder in mixed martial arts. I'm going to tell you why. In in the NBA, there's five people on each side, right? There's more than one person. Right. So if you don't have the ball or you're not doing anything, people watch the ball. Just Just take any regular sport and you follow where the ball is at, any sport with a ball. So if it's baseball, you look at the pitcher. He pitch it, you look at the batter, okay? Basketball, you look at who's dribbling. Ball go up, you follow the ball, see if there's a rebound, you follow the ball. Football is all over the place. It looks like this. Right. If you don't know football, you just see this, and then you see a pass, or you see a person run. Yeah. But you're following the ball. So you can be – you can hide in these other sports, in mixed martial arts, there is no hiding. It's you versus them. Right. Period. That's and all it. eyes are on you. So if you're not built for that, you shouldn't do it. And um, the the greatest players at every sport are not afraid of one-on-ones. So you take that mentality, uh, Michael Jordan mentality, a Kobe Bryant mentality, um, whether it's a Randy Moss, whoever it is, they're not afraid to go one-on-one. Right. Deion Sanders, he'd take anybody one-on-one. I bet you you can't get past him. That's just – that's the greatest athletes. Well, MMA, that you don't have a choice. It's one-on-one, all eyes on you. And that's a different type of mental toughness you have to have, especially if maybe you get down around or things are not going as planned. You might get cut. Now you got to fight with extra blood in your eyes. It's a different – type of mentality you have to have. So I think it's even tougher in MMA because there is no hiding. It's a one-on-one, me and you, all eyes on us. Let's see what happens. I love it. And that mindset, too, you mentioned like a Randy Moss or a Deion Sanders. They live for that moment. They want that mm-hmm. one-on-one moment. And, you know, in mixed martial arts, if you don't want that one-on-one moment, well, you're you're in the wrong business, my friend. That's right. That's all, that's all it is, man. Yeah, wow, that's that's cool. I never really thought about it that way, but it, it definitely is a mindset. It's a it's a change. You have to shift things, uh, you know, from being in a, a team sport to uh, an individual sport. You, you mentioned Dustin Poirier. Uh, you know, a, a role model to many. Uh, someone that I think you know likes to give back as as much as he can. Um, you have a foundation as well, Gerald. I think uh, you know it's important for athletes like yourself to do your part to try to inspire the next generation and 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 help out where you can. Tell us a little bit more about that yeah it's the patricia diane foundation and it's named after my mother she passed away when i was 19 and uh we target uh you know sometimes it gets classified as single mother homes but we target single parent homes male and female um but most of the time is usually mothers you were single mothers right and um i just grew up seeing it and i seen 
how tough it was for the single mothers that I seen, but I also seen the toughness that they carried. And my mom was a giver. She was a lover. That's all she was. So I named the foundation after her to continue her legacy of what she started. And um, we've done a whole lot, man. Uh, my wife and I, we started um, a thing in, in, uh, when I was with the Buccaneers called McCoy Family Christmas, where we would sponsor families and we would fulfill their Christmas wish list. You know, and it's, it's all, it just grew. It started, my wife and I was just sitting at home one day and we wanted to do something for Christmas. And it started with 10 families and it grew to 75. Wow. You know, and, and it's, it's steady growing. And we, we have a lot of different things coming up. You know, we want to do a back to school drive. We want to do Thanksgiving. We just have a lot of different ideas. We did a Super Bowl um, giveaway. So, you know, that's just, we have a heart for people. And my wife and I, we partnered on it and we just wanted to keep growing and growing and growing because these single parent homes, especially now in a pandemic, is it's, it's extremely tough right now. So we just want to do our part. That's awesome. That's incredible. Yeah. Um, how, how can people uh, contribute to that? Is there a website that they can uh, check out or get involved with? Yes, PatriciaDianeFoundation.org. You go to that and you see all the different things on there, you know, that we do different ways you can donate. And I'll start posting a lot more once we start doing more activities and more things come up. I'll make sure that I get it out to the people. That'd be uh, awesome if you could let us know and maybe we can uh, help uh, get involved and, uh, you know, maybe do a giveaway or something, donate something uh, to help your cause. Oh, absolutely. I appreciate it. Gerald, I appreciate the time, man. Uh, any prediction coming up? Uh, I, I know you're close with, with Mike. You, you think Mike gets it done? You have a, you know, a prediction on how he uh, captures UFC gold on Saturday? I don't have a prediction on how he does it, but he's going to do it. He's going <laughs> to do it. And I'm telling you, uh, right, right now, next up, is uh O'Malley. He's next up, man. Oh yeah, you uh you're forecasting the future of uh Oh yeah. I like it. I like it. Oh yeah. Sugar is next up for sure. <laughs> He's awesome. next up. I love it. Awesome, man. Well, hopefully uh we run into you sometime uh you know, maybe at an event here before uh, the season uh gets started for football. Uh you know, fans back in the building coming up uh, Saturday night in Houston. It's uh it's great to get back to a normal routine and, and fight night. There's yeah. no other night uh quite like it in sports and and Gerald, we'd love to see you at the UFC sometime soon. All right, thank you. I appreciate. It. I'm actually be in Vegas when uh Poirier uh fights McGregor. I'm trying to get tickets now, so hopefully I can get that done. Awesome, man. Well, uh, I, I don't think we rank uh, high enough in the hierarchy to say, sure, Gerald, no problem. We got you. Oh, no, no, but, no. Uh, I got it. I, I got it covered. <laughs> yeah, you know what? Maybe you could get us tickets. Maybe that's yeah, how I should be approaching it. I'm going to work on it. I'm going to work on it. There we go, Gerald. Appreciate the time, sir. Best of luck with everything uh, coming up uh, in this offseason, and uh, we'll, we'll have you back on the show sometime soon. All right. Thanks. God bless you guys. Thank you. There he is, Gerald McCoy, kind enough to give us a few moments here on Extra Rounds. Uh, you know, we got to kick things off the right way here, and uh, let's jump into uh, Tony Ferguson's UFC debut. Uh, of course, he came in off the Ultimate Fighter, and uh, now he's taking on uh, Ramsey Nijim here uh, in his Octagon debut. Um, you know, you only get one opportunity to make a good first impression, Pearl. And, uh, you know, you, you've been there. You've made that walk to the octagon. What is going through your mind when you're, you know, reaching that penultimate goal in, in your career and walking into the, the world-famous 
Octagon, the ultimate proving ground. Uh, for me, it was, holy shit, I'm here. And, like, the crowd, like, you can hear the crowd. The, the crowd is so loud that you can actually, it, it feels like waves almost, the energy. It's, in, it's amazing. And the, there's bright lights on you as you're walking down. So there's a camera right in front of you. The crowd's going crazy. You, you know, your heart's pumping. You're ready. You're ready to go out there and perform. It is a feeling that can never be, um, I don't know, what's the word? Not mimicked, but like you can never create that in, in any other place. It's one of the most amazing feelings ever. I, you know, kind of go, going back to what Gerald was talking about, the idea of, of, you know, being out there by yourself, relying solely on yourself, that's got to magnify the moment because playing in a Super Bowl or playing in a, you know, World Series or any team sport uh, event, you're, you can kind of hide in the fact that, you know, you're not the focal point at any given moment. You know, you, you can sort of ease into it. How, how did you feel the process was walking to the octagon? Did you feel like you eased into the moment or was it, oh crap, Bruce Buffer just said my name and now we're fighting? Um, I do like that was actually like the biggest piece that I do remember. I remember touching, touching my feet on the canvas and it was the first time I had, had put my feet on in that canvas and very different from any other um, cage that I had been inside much larger. Um, and then Bruce Buffer was saying my name and I'm just like, Holy shit, Bruce Buffer say I was like the biggest fangirl in that moment when, when Bruce was saying my name. Um, and then again, the crowd is roaring. You're in this, you know, the lights are bright. You feel the heat of the lights on you. You're looking across at your opponent. You're, you're just seeing what they're what where they're at mentally and emotionally in that moment. Um, and then it's like, you know, it's go time. It's time to go. And thinking stops at that point. It, you, you're almost on like autopilot. Now you're just being and acting. And when you think that's when you have your hiccups and that's when, when you second guess or, and that, so you have to go on there and just really feel, feel and be like, it, it sounds so corny, but really embrace and be in the moment. There's, there's no other way to put it, you know? And like, they talk about like, um, being in the zone, it's slow motion. You know, you can hear your breathing, you feel your opponent's breathing. Like the crowd, it's just every time you get, if you get hit with a big shot, the crowd's screaming and it's amazing. That's why I think it is so, you know, case to case with certain athletes. Cause you know, some people can't uh, sort of get over those emotions and, and it gets the best of them, which is what they call the octagon jitters. Then other people go out there and just style and, and shine and, mm -hmm. and thrive off that moment. And I think that's kind of getting back to what Gerald was talking about is some people are just built for that sort of mentality. And, you know, Tony Ferguson made the most of his UFC debut there, uh, you know, stopping Ramsey Nijim. Like, I don't know. I, I I know who I am as a human being, and maybe I'm, you know, it's hard for me to sort of uh, put put it into perspective because it's a combat sport compared to, you know, what I do for uh, a living. But I don't, I don't think I could do that, Pearl. I don't think I could just flip that switch and go when it comes to trying to fight another human being. Um, even even mean, if I've done it a million times, you know what I mean? Because you had a bunch of fights prior to the UFC. How, how were they? Like, how was your MMA debut different than your UFC debut? The crowd, the the platform. You know, you you know that you're at the highest level of the sport. There's there's no more bigger show. So this is the absolute biggest show. You have the most eyes on you. 
you know, the production in itself. I mean, you and I, we work, we work at shows, the production and, and the way that the UFC is run is it's huge. It's amazing. And like, um, I think that when you're in there, you know, you're not thinking about, you shouldn't be thinking about, oh, am I going to get hurt or I don't want to hurt this person. It, it's not that it's like, they're looking at you across the cage and it's like, you, your, your, your corners behind you, you know? And, and it's, it's like, uh, it's almost like a feeling where like you're in a stadium and the spotlight's on you and you're alone. It's just you and this other person and the referee, you, you hear them. You can see, you, you see them maybe like out, out of your, um, your side view, but they're really not there. Um, and it's just like, it's time to go, you know, it's just it, it, time to, to go, to start swinging and, and fighting. And, um, there's no room for thinking, you know? And, and I think for me, when I did think is when I, I, when I do, when I ha don't have, I haven't had the best performances because I was, I was thinking and, and hesitating and second guessing and, there's been times in fights that I've lost specific moments in fights where I'm like, do, you know, do this. My instinct was to do something and I did not do it. And those were key moments in these fights. You get, you get so many, there's only so many windows of opportunity to finish the fight, to win the fight. And if, if you allow them to pass you by, they pass you by. And, and I, every fight, I can tell you a key moment, these, these windows of opportunity that I've had that I didn't take advantage on, or I did, I, I did just allow myself to, to react or, or to be. And, um, it's amazing. It's so, it's surreal. I, it's hard to explain. You have to feel it, but there's no, there's no, not for one second. Are you thinking like, I'm going to get hurt in here? Or I'm going to, it's not that at all. It's, it's, you know, I want, how am I going to perform to my best in front of everybody with the noise, with everything that's going on? Right. Uh, we just saw Anderson Silva make his UFC debut uh, right there, um, you know, kind of reliving some of the great uh, UFC debuts because of this man, Michael Chandler. Uh, you know, he's he's coming into the, this title fight really built on the back of his uh, UFC um debut against Dan Hooker. Like this is a sport where, you know, style points really mean a lot. And you can go from just making your UFC debut and doing so with some pomp and circumstance and some, you know, added uh, pressure to using that that pressure in, in creating diamonds. And that's what Michael Chandler did in his uh, UFC debut so well to where, you know... What can you say about the man? Like, you have to... Uh, you recognize what he did with a UFC title opportunity because that's how well he performed. People don't normally do that. And mm -hmm. uh, I, it's not really surprising that the phone rang and they said, look, you know, the, the time is now. Do you want to fight for a UFC uh, belt? And, uh, you know, that that's ahead of him. W were you surprised, uh, not only in the, the way that Chandler um, performed in his UFC debut, but were you surprised that the call came and, and he did get this opportunity? Because I feel like the, the writing was definitely on the wall after we saw Hooker go down in a, a, a heap. You know, I, I don't think so because he got signed, right? And that was a huge deal for, for the sport. Um, when he got signed, uh, and then, and then he immediately was the backup for the Habib fight. Right. And, um, and so for that there, you, that was very interesting. That was like, wow, he got signed. And a month later, he's, he's preparing ways in 
which we don't really hear about that very often either. We don't too often see fighters weighing in as the backup just in case, right. ready to fight on up until the fight is happening. We don't hear about that. So that was, you know, that was that was already a big surprise. And then he goes in there and there was so much pressure on him, you know, when he went into his debut with Hooker, uh, where, you know, is the whole, you know, talking about the organization that he was with before and how does he compete with the with the UFC fighters? And, and there was there was a lot of pressure on him. And when you watched him go in there and if you just saw like that was greatness right there. He, he shot a shot at first on Hooker. He saw Hooker's reaction. Then he immediately went for the body shot got the reaction he expected and switched stances and threw a power left hand, which is not even, I mean, or excuse me, yeah, power left hand, that's a jab hand. And I mean, put the lights out. That, that was greatness right there. I mean, that, that's what I'm talking about, where you see something, you have to just be in this moment and be instinctual. And, and that, that truly is great. That's greatness. There's no other word for it. He was instinctive. He saw in that moment, he saw the reaction and he just acted. And then to me, I, I keep bringing up his post-fight interview. That was like, oh, I mean, you watched him knock him out and you're, everybody's like, holy shit, your mouth's already open and you're watching the fight. And then he comes out with this insane post-fight interview and you're just like speechless because not only did he just prove physically he's, he's one of the best ever or best in the world, you know, but then he comes out and he's also a showman, but he wasn't a showman in a disrespectful way. To me, right. he hit every point of, of what a man aspires to be like, not just athletes. And you're just like, who is this guy? You know? And I'm just, I immediately became such a big fan of him. He's respectful. He's a great man. He's a great husband. He's a great father. He's a phenomenal athlete. He deserves this, absolutely deserves this, this opportunity. And, and he talks about that. I'm not here for a long time. You don't get these opportunities too often. And I'm going to take full advantage of this. And he understands where he's at in his life and, and the, the, how big of a and special of a moment this is for him. And uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. You know, it's an interesting fight because, yes, he's got great hands and he's got this phenomenal wrestling. But if you take Oliveira down, we're, that's his world. Right. Oliveira is another incredible athlete. Yeah, I mean, so you're damned if you up. do, damned if you don't with with right. with the Bronx. And, you know, that's what makes this fight so exciting. Like, w when you think about, you know, great title fights, they're generally built on the idea of a fight that a lot of people have been thinking about for a long time. It's the number one fighter on the planet fighting the number one contender. That's what makes an all-time classic. But in, in this case... This is a fight that I don't think a lot of people really ever thought about ever. Like, you know, Chandler was a champion outside of the promotion. Uh, Charles Oliveira has had success at both 155 and 45. So, you know, I had a chance to talk to Mike today on the UFC Unfiltered podcast. And, you know, I asked him, I'm like, did you ever, you know, foresee yourself fighting Charles Oliveira? And he said, no, not until, you know, he, he beat Tony Ferguson and then things started to fall where they have and, and it made sense. But prior to that, he, he never really thought that he would be fighting Charles 
Charles Oliveira, let alone for the uh, you know undisputed UFC lightweight crown. And, and now he, he's doing it. And this is a fight that I don't think we've had to wait long or or really had to anticipate and you know had the 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 build uh you know considering you know how long we've waited for some other fights that uh you know have come to fruition but that doesn't take away from the satisfaction that I think we're going to have Pearl come Saturday night this is a highly anticipated title fight it just happens to be one we didn't really think about uh for a very long time before it was in our hands Exactly. I mean, and look at that. You saw that big, he, he almost invited that takedown here because you're taking him right into his world. And that is like perfect technique, the way he applied this triangle here. I mean, he, Oliveira is so talented in so many areas. He's not just a great grappler. He's an incredible striker too. And, and he invites you to take him down because you're going into his world. And so you're right. This this is such a, a a big fight and fun fight, and and it's a fight that can go anywhere. It can be finished anywhere, um, and so it is. It's like how how does Michael Chandler approach this fight? How does Oliveira approach this fight? Does he try to take him take him down? You know, Chandler down and take him into a place that I believe I personally believe he has an advantage, or does Michael Chandler really out out wrestle out grapple? Can he out grapple? you know, Oliveira. It's a, it's just a very, it's such a fascinating fight. Yeah, it's one that, uh, you know, I, I think about, and, and I don't know how it's going to go down. I mean, we saw Chandler and his ability uh, to, to put out the lights uh, of Dane Hooker. Uh, I definitely feel that that is a possibility. Um, but you know, one thing that we also have to remember, too, is Charles Oliveira, is, as savage as he is on the floor, he's also pretty dangerous on the feet. And one thing that he can lean on is his kicking offense. And, and we know Michael Chandler has had, you know, issues with eating uh, low kicks in the past. Dan Hooker was even in business in, in their meeting, um, you know, getting that low ca uh, calf kick off. Chandler has had, you know, the, the drop foot before in an earlier fight in his career. Um, don't get me wrong. I think that if this fight does hit the floor, it's definitely more beneficial for Charles Oliveira. But if the Brazilian wants to uh, attack the legs of Michael Chandler and, and try to use uh, low kicks, this might be a, a fight where Chandler's going to have to really dissuade him from doing so early. And, you know, when he throws the, the hands that he does, he definitely has the arsenal to, to make Oliveira think twice about uh, trying to kick out his legs. But that dynamic alone, and we know, you know, over the course of 25 minutes, five rounds, they all start on the feet. Uh, you got to believe that Oliveira is going to be in a, a prime position to try to make something happen each and every time they're on the feet with the with the leg uh, attack and the kicks. Yes, and and you know these are two different body types. You know, Oliveira's a lanky and he's long, and and Chandler is compact and he's he's short and he's explosive. Um, and I and I've you know watched some some interviews recently on on Mike and he said that he's gonna get in his face and he's he's gonna you know bring the fight to Oliveira. And uh, I think another thing that Oliveira has a tool is his knees and his elbows. He's got such clean technique in his Muay Thai and, and has those inside those tight strikes. Um, if Chandler does come in um, and, and, and hit him, the kicks, of course he does. He has the leg kick. We saw Dan Hooker landed a very successful leg kick in that fight. Um, and you could tell it, it affected Chandler, even if it just offset him a little bit, that's still offsetting your, your opponent. And uh, 
so yes, I do think leg kicks are big, but I think that Oliveira also has an advantage with the with the short strikes, with the knees, the elbows, and the short work. Yeah. All right. We're going to take a very quick break. We've got a lot to do here on Extra Rounds. Uh, Heather Hardy is going to be joining us in just a couple of moments. So uh, stick around. We'll chat with Heather Hardy, talk about uh, what's going on with her world, and we'll also break down more of UFC 262. So go nowhere. It's Extra Rounds on UFC Fight Pass. May 14th, Titan Fighting Championship 69 brings you a professional mixed martial arts card for the ages. Fighters from across the globe, Cuba, Lebanon, Colombia, warriors representing the United States, Ireland, Dominican Republic, and Venezuela come to this island paradise for a modern-day kumite and their shot at glory. Friday night, May 14th, live from sizzling Santo Domingo, Dominican Republic, Titan 69, where a new welterweight champion will be crowned in a U.S. versus Dominican main event. Plus, seven additional MMA fights and one kickboxing war to top it off. Fireworks guaranteed at Titan Fighting Championship 69, exclusively on UFC Fight Pass. And it all starts now. May 14th, Titan Fighting Championship headed your way right here on UFC Fight Pass. This is Extra Rounds. We're a Fight Pass property. TJ DeSantis along with Pearl Gonzalez. Appreciate you joining us here live on the Fight Pass Facebook page. You can also get at us uh, anytime in the archive on demand for you uh, over on UFC Fight Pass. Please be joined now by Heather Hardy. Heather, uh, before I bring you on camera, if you could turn your camera sideways, I'd appreciate that. Um, we're navigating some technical issues here uh, live on the air, but there we go. I'm going to change your name tag here because you're not Gerald McCoy. You're Heather I'm Hardy. Not. Heather Hardy, how are you? Doing well, thank you. How are you? We're very good. We're very good. Appreciate you carving out some time uh, for us uh, on a, a very big uh, fight week. We know that you've uh, uh, dabbled in the uh, the sweet science. Obviously, a fantastic and accomplished boxer. You've done some MMA uh, as well. You know, during your time uh, fighting, what what is the differences been uh, for yourself between the MMA world and, and the boxing world? Was it was it uh, a stark contrast from one another in, in the training or was it pretty much the same? No, it was totally different. It was like two different, having two different jobs, being in two different gyms, different coach, well, two different gyms. I mean, <laughs> I was in so many different gyms, but with a bunch of different coaches and everything I learned about boxing and that I knew about boxing that was so instinctual, I had to alter and change and make it work in MMA. Like, they, you might punch in MMA, but you don't really box. Right. That makes sense. No, 100 uh, percent. You know, Pearl, I think, is is learning all about, you know, boxing now and, and getting ready for her uh, boxing match uh, upcoming. Uh, Pearl, would you agree hey, with what Heather's saying? 100 percent. It, it's so different. Uh, training in MMA, you have so many aspects that you have to learn and work and master. And you can't spend too much time in one area because then the other areas fall short. So. Absolutely. It's, it's a two different mindsets for sure. What, uh, what, what advice would you give Pearl Heather, who's obviously, you know, focusing on boxing right now is, is there something that you would, uh, you know, offer her as a, uh, you know, some, some, some advice as, as far as, you know, moving over to that world? I think that Pearl is doing it right. Coming from MMA and going into the boxing world, because she already has that no quit attitude. One of my favorite things, like, 
going into boxing after MMA was like, I get kicked in the face. What is this girl going to do to me? Right. Right. And you kind of bring that attitude into the cage. I mean, I brought it into the ring every time I left the cage, like, like I get kicked in the face and I was okay. What is this girl going to do to me? So you have that kind of little extra little bit in there. Like, like she can't touch me. Come on. You know, when you put it that way, it's, I mean, it's true. Once you get kicked in the face, it's kind of like all bets are off. Like I've been kicked it in the really, face. It's like, what, do you, what are you going to show me, honey, with those two hands? <laughs> wow. I never thought about it like that. I love that. Uh, Heather, you got a, a boxing match coming up that we can watch on UFC Fight Pass. Why don't you tell us a little bit more about it? Because you're very much a, an accomplished boxer, someone uh, at the top of their game. And now you're doing it uh, on Fight Pass. Uh, wh- what are the details? Well, shout out to Fight Pass. You know, like I was boxing professionally 10 years ago and 10 years ago, we didn't have anyone to stream our fights. Boxing wasn't streamed. If your friends fought, whether it was out of state, if I fought at BB Kings and my family wasn't there, they would wait for the coaches and people in the stands to call and tell you how each other did. So uh, shout out to Fight Pass, to Develop Entertainment, for all the women who fought so hard for this. May seem like a small step, but it's actually quite big coming from an old head like myself. To be able to tell my my you know titis out in Florida, you can watch it, you can watch this one this time. <laughs> so it's super super significant to me as someone coming from the a place when there wasn't boxing. On a professional note, this is my debut at lightweight. This is gonna be the biggest girl that ever punched me in the face. So I'm really excited. I had a great camp, but it's hard to sum it up until we finish the fight. So we'll see. What uh what what has COVID been like for you in, in boxing and training? Was it was it difficult to get through this last uh, twelve months or so? It's, it was impossible actually. In twenty twenty, uh, the gym shut down, and I go to Gleason's gym. Gleason's isn't a small little gym. Like a lot of small little gyms stayed open because you know they could just close the door and open the back door, and right. fighter fighters could go in. But Bruce has one of the biggest gyms and. In Brooklyn and was risking a $50,000 fine every time he broke, you know, That's regulation. Crazy. So we had my whole fight camp, me and uh, Melissa Hernandez were sparring at 5 a.m. before the gym opened because we're still not allowed to spar in the gym. So, you know, and then 2020, the gyms were non-existent. I right. was completely out of training and boxing for about 14 months. So starting to um, come back. Crazy though, Gleason's is crazy. Wow, um, Heather, I have a question for you. You are the main event for an all women's boxing card. How does that feel? I mean, it's such a huge accomplishment, you know. And uh, the light is on you, and, and and it's shining bright on you. And and you know, how does that feel? Are you, is it surreal for you? Or are you taking it in? Um, I, it's, it's really, it's fun, right? It's fun to see all the young girls. Cause they're a bunch of young girls. I feel old actually. <laughs> I feel like, I feel like everybody's mama up here, you know, because everyone's like, Oh my God, it's Heather Hardy. And I'm like, Oh, that's so cute. But I'm so old. <laughs> so you look so amazing. It is, it is quite humbling hmm. though, to be able to see the next generation. And it's also really hopeful, right? Like, like I said, 10 years ago, we didn't have this available and these girls are coming into the game, expecting this as their lowest as the bar. Right. So those like that gives me goosebumps. Those are the things as a girl mom that satisfy me. 
You know, when wow. you when you look at, uh, you know, women in, in boxing, Heather, it's it's nothing new. Women have been boxing at the highest level for a very long time. But I feel like with the explosion of mixed martial arts, the ladies have taken center stage in that combat sport uh, a bit more uh, firmly than maybe in, in, in boxing. Am I off on that? Because I feel like the women have, have maybe shined a bit more on the MMA side of things where, uh, you know, when it comes to, to female boxing, they just it, it hasn't seemed to take with the, the casual fans as much as you would think it would considering that the success that women have had in MMA. Do you think that the, the, the popularity of women in mixed martial arts is helping the female side of boxing at all? Um, I think it inspired a lot of females uh, like in the beginning, right? Like when Ronda Rousey came out and just killed the game. You had girls like Holly Holm going over to the UFC realizing um, that there were opportunities that for years when people told us that no one wanted to see women fight, it was really just an excuse from all the big heads, you know, going in to keep the money in the small little circles that they had it. And I think that's the biggest difference between boxing and MMA. MMA promotes their fighters. Even boxing's most biggest names making six, seven figures for fights Casual fans, casual sports fans might not even know who they are. I would say like Terrence Crawford is perhaps one of the most gifted boxers, talented athletes. But if he walked through a super crowded airport, how many people would know who he was? And it's because boxing doesn't do a really great job promoting their fighters. Do you agree with that, Pearl? Um, you know, I, I think that, uh, right now the, the sport is on the rise. Combat sports is on the rise. Like you said, uh, right in MMA, we are at, in the best place that we've ever been in our sport. But I, I believe personally that it's up to the fighter to promote themselves. It's up to the fighters to, to find ways to, you know, shine their light and, and show shine bright. And yes, you can work with the promotion and the promotion is, it is very helpful um, if the promotion does, um, does help and, and push you, but ultimately it's the fighter. You have to go and take it. Look at that. Look at those fancy feet. That's so cool. I mean, you got fans over here, Heather. I mean, we're big fans of you on Fight Pass. And it's exciting to see you, you know, get to, to box and, and have, uh, you know, boxing just on UFC Fight Pass. Like, think about that. Back in the day, there used to be a huge rivalry between boxing and mixed martial arts, and there was a lot of finger-pointing. And now the UFC, you know, the, the preeminent mixed martial arts organization with their digital streaming service, putting on all sorts of combat sports, not just MMA, not just boxing, but Muay Thai, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Like, that's one thing that I will say about the mixed martial arts movement that I honestly didn't see coming. I've been a big fan of mixed martial arts for uh, 20 years at this point, but never did I think that mixed martial arts would make boxing stronger, that mixed martial arts would make people tune in to the NCAA wrestling championships. Like, people are watching wrestling. Uh, people don't like wrestling unless they're wrestlers but people now who have never trained a day in their life are watching wrestling because they think that the future of the sport might be on the the collegiate mats and you know to see you headline a card on a on ufc fight pass it's uh, it makes me feel good not just about boxing and, and mixed martial arts but combat sports and you know we're huge fans of, of what you're doing huge fans of combat sports and you know a, a sincere thank you for uh you know sticking it out coming over to the mma side of things sticking with boxing boxing and uh, doing work on Fight Pass. Ah, well, thanks so much for having us. We're, we're all excited. The boxing girls are excited. I'm going to put on a good show Friday night. Heather, appreciate the time. Best of luck coming up here on Friday, and uh, maybe we'll have you back after the fight to talk about it.
Would love that. Thanks, guys. It was great to talk to you. There she is. Great to talk to you. Good luck, Heather. Thank you, honey. Bye-bye. Bye. Heather Hardy giving us a few moments here on Extra Rounds on UFC Fight Pass. If you didn't know, and we haven't you know, drilled it into your head yet, uh, UFC 262 is coming up Saturday night. Uh, the number three ranked Charles Oliveira taking on the number four ranked uh, Michael Chandler. Uh, lightweight championship of the world will be on the line. Uh, Pearl, I, I got to get your thoughts on Michael Chandler for, for a brief moment and, and what he's doing coming up on Saturday because I, I know he had his UFC debut. I know that he beat Dan Hooker in scintillating fashion style points, uh, you know, pushed his way to the, the front of the line here. But he's going to be walking out in the Toyota Center in front of 22,000 fans that are screaming, that are out, you know, honestly, for the first time in quite a while at one of the biggest sporting events they could be at. Everyone's going to be having a good time. Uh, I know Chandler made his UFC debut over on Fight Island. And yes, there were fans in the building at the Flash Forum that night. But minimum fans, very minimal amounts of people saw that. I I understand that he's a a former champion outside of the organization, has fought under the bright lights. But we talk about these debuts this is almost, in essence, his second debut because this is the first time Michael Chandler's really going to get that feel of what it means to fight on a UFC card. Do we need to worry at all about him, you know, having that deer in the headlights moment come Saturday night? I, I personally, personally don't think so. I think that he is a very well thought out, very prepared man. If you kind of watch him and follow him, um, you know, his training regimen and, and just, he's a very disciplined man. I mean, he's, he's got, let me tell you how disciplined this man is. He has a snicker bar that his wife got him from, from the airport. And it like has, it had a saying, saying on it. And his wife gave this to him um, when they were on vacation and uh, right before they got, he got the call for this fight. And, and, and once he got that call, he said, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna eat this. He's, he takes the candy bar with him everywhere. And he's, that's the first thing he's eating, he says, when he steps out of that cage. I mean, that's how disciplined this, that man is and well thought out he is. He understands this moment. He understands the opportunity. He understands that what is happening for him has never really happened before. So this is such a, not only is it a big moment, this is a very special moment. And I think that he's going to shine bright. I think that, um, I, I don't know, the fight is, I don't have a prediction on who's going to win, but I think his performance overall is going to be incredible. I mean, I hate to say this. This is so cliche of a play-by-play guy like myself saying this, but I know who exactly is going to win. It's us, the fans. The fans are going to win. (laughs) I I love it. I I mean, there's no way you can look at it any differently. Like, yes, one person will get their hand raised, another will not. But I really find a a hard scenario to, to imagine that, we don't all win. This is going to be a fantastic fight and one that is going to say a lot about the careers of both men. I know that Michael Chandler is only, you know, fighting for the second time in his UFC run, but you know, this man has already had a a very long career and you know, one that honestly, there was a point in time where I didn't know if the UFC was in Michael Chandler's future, but he made it a point to finish his contractual obligations outside of the promotion and then get here as soon as he could, and now he has that penultimate opportunity uh, coming up on Saturday against Charles Oliveira, who uh, I heard John Anik say on his podcast that if if Dobronch is able to win this this title on Saturday, 
Hall of Fame might be in his future. And that seems a, a bit of a stretch at its face, but when you think about what Dobronx has really done over his career, it's really not that far of a stretch. The man is 30-8 and eight in mixed martial arts competition. 27 of his wins have come by way of stoppage. Like, think about that. 27 of your 30 wins ended with you either knocking out your opponent or submitting them. He made his UFC right. debut over a decade ago, uh, and he's on a run. Uh, finished right. uh, seven of his last eight, um, nine of his last ten fights. He has won. Uh, look at that. Defeated Darren Elkins via armbar in his debut at UFC Live 2, August 1st, 2010. Uh, I had to look at that card, and, and then it, it, it smacked me across the face, Pearl. I was actually in the building that night, Valley View Event Center in San Diego, California. Uh, I don't even wow. remember Dobronx making his debut that night because he was so early on uh, in the evening, but it, it's true. Like, how many people win 27 fights, let alone right. finish 27 of their 30 wins? Charles Oliveira walks out of the Toyota Center with a belt around his waist. Uh, I think he's one title defense away from being a, a no-brain uh, UFC Hall of Famer. Absolutely. And he's had, we just saw, he's, he's had 11 years at the highest level in this sport. That is such a, I mean, it's hard for an MMA fighter to have 11-year professional career. He's had an 11-year UFC career. I mean, he's really put in the work and 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 de deserves this opportunity. Like you know, he, he deserves this. It's well deserved. It's hard, hard earned and worked. And um, yeah, I mean, and you're right. Like he he absolutely should should be placed in there. And and if he wins, based on his history, this fight is not going. He's not going to win it by a decision. No, I mean, he's only won three decisions in his entire career. So, you know, conventional logic says uh, Dubronx is able to, if he gets his hand raised, it's going to be because he chokes out or knocks out Michael Chandler. And if he's able to or do that, like, him. seriously, right, yeah. Like, uh, you know, twist uh, twist all the joints and, you know, get the <laughs> tap. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know which way this fight is, is going to go. I, like you, uh, am not really making a, a prediction. And I think that is evident with the uh, the odds. Let's take a look at the odds for uh, Saturday night's uh, card, your main event, uh, Charles Oliveira, minus 134, according to the DraftKings Sportsbook. The comeback on Michael Chandler is plus 110, but don't get uh, too in love with those odds, because DraftKings Sportsbook is bringing you plenty of ways to get in on the action at UFC 262. For this fight only, DraftKings customers can bet $1 to win $100 on either main event fighter. Just use the promo code UFC when you sign up today. DraftKings Sportsbook bet with the only top-rated sportsbook app that matters. So, I mean, that's another crazy thing, too. Talking to Michael Chandler, he talked about being the underdog, and he just loves people counting him out. Now, plus 110, he's not the, the biggest underdog in the world. People are believing that he can win this fight. But I, I think there's something to be said about Mike, who just seems to like the idea that the majority of people out there are going you're not going to win this fight. He loves proving them wrong. Yeah. So there, there are some fighters that love being the underdog that kind of need that, that push or that little bit of motivation that drive to prove. Like I, I like to look at Usman who's never really the underdog, but he's constantly telling you after he wins his fight, put some respect on my name. Right. And I, I, I believe that that's a part of that, a, a part of feeling like, 
people are against him. And, and that's part of his motivation. That's part of his drive that, that pushes him to perform better than he's performed before. Yeah. It's, and, like, uh, it's like the Diaz brothers. They have to find a reason to dislike you when they're fighting you. They may not really dislike you, but for that fight, they need to find a reason that they don't like you. And for Kamara Usman and maybe Michael Chandler, they train together, by the way, so maybe it's a mindset that stems from the gym. Uh, they just want to feel like the world is counting against them. Yeah. Some people need to feel like their back's against the wall, you know? Um, and then there's fighters that don't, that don't do well. I mean, it's it's per per fighter and the way that their mindset is. But I do believe that Michael Chandler loves it. Like we, we talked about pressure with him. I think that, that he thrives. Yeah. He thrives in that. 100 percent um i love his mindset too you know he ends every interview with i'll see you at the top uh, i love it and and the top of the mountain is uh waiting for him uh to get to in houston uh, on saturday night uh we talk a lot about momentum in combat sports and in mixed martial arts and i'm curious if you know the momentum uh will be present for michael chandler because the way that he beat dan hooker you know it, it catapulted him to the top of this division he skipped the line in a lot of ways uh tony ferguson not too stoked about it we'll talk about tony uh, who's on the same card uh, as well but you know he, he was able to get to where he wanted to go and into a title fight very quickly you mentioned that he was essentially the the alternate uh for the the last uh, ufc title fight over in Fight Island, should have uh, you know Khabib or or Gaethje gotten hurt. Uh, Chandler's been a factor in this division long before even you know the the Hooker fight cemented his status as the number one contender. Um, but the way that that fight ended, do you feel that he can carry that momentum into this fight? I know every fight is different, but style points and and success uh, sometimes bleed into multiple performances. Can can Chandler grab that momentum and carry it into Houston in the Toyota Center? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, you know, he talked about that he's in the last 60 weeks, he's, he's only had, you know, I don't know, a few weeks off. Um, that's over a year. So he's been in camp for most of this year. And that's crazy because we just, we just went through a pandemic and he's just been training nonstop. He's putting in the work and now he's, he's seeing, wow, my hard work is, is here. It's here. And, 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 it, and I, now I'm, I'm, I'm getting, you know, something out of this hard work. And so, yeah, I think that he can absolutely ride the wave. And, you know, I think the, what you were saying with like, he skipped the line. Dan Hooker was one of those gentlemen that was, was pissed about, about this, about him, that he didn't deserve to be there. And then he shut the lights out. So, you know, how, how do you, how do you not give this man that opportunity when he does, when he comes out with an amazing performance like that? You know, and so I think that this is something that has been manifested from Chandler for a very long time. And uh, he's put this together. He's put in the work. He's 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 been sac he's sacrificed. He's been disciplined. And now he's like, here's my time. It's my time now. This is my night. And we're going to see what happens. You know, he keeps saying that it's going to be a quick night. And and so, you know, let's see, because, again, we just talked about Oliveira, who is also equally put in that much work and hard work and has, has had wars and, you know, and just, just been in there with the baddest dudes on the planet and, and is still here and finishing them. So, um, yeah, this is just, it's a, I think both of these gentlemen are riding momentum and riding these waves. And that's what makes this fight so fascinating.
you uh, you brought up the fact that he uh, you faked that shot on on Hooker and then came over the top with that punch. Watching it again, it was just it was so beautiful and so magnificent and you know style points uh, to say the least. You talk about you know these guys really going out there and and getting it done. Uh, Michael Chandler's only fought in the UFC for two minutes and some change. I think it's uh, two minutes thirty seconds. Um, and we talk about Oliveira. Uh, his average fight time pearl is six minutes fifty seven seconds. Seconds. So I don't know what the over-under prop is on, on DraftKings right now, but you might want to take the under because these guys are going to go for it. And, you know, I know at the highest level, guys can nullify one another and they need to be tactical. But if this is a barn burner from the word go, uh, don't be surprised. You're not going to want to leave the uh, the room or, or, or the television set uh, to go get a no. soda or a beer or anything when these two take the octagon. Don't blink. At the way that these, the way these two fight, I mean, it, yeah. this is a fascinating fight, and it can very well. I, I definitely see it. it. You know, you can hear it in Chandler. You can. Oliveira said he's not going to stop coming forward. He's he's not going to stop putting. You know, coming to fight, and and he said, I loved what he said. He said, I, my show is um, inside the cage, and my show is in the cage. I don't talk outside. I don't right. have it. I'm not a showman. My talent is inside there, and he's here, and he's ready. So, yeah, I don't think this fight goes the distance, and I do think it's going to be very exciting and, and can go so many different ways. It's a big night for the lightweight division. Our co-main event sees the number five ranked El Kakui. Tony Ferguson take on the number ninth ranked uh, Benil Dariush. It is odd when you see uh, the, the red number next to Tony Ferguson. That red number, uh, or actually green number rather, uh, marking that he is a, an underdog. I know that Tony has lost his last couple of fights, and, and this is very much a, a sport of what have you done for me lately. So conventional wisdom, uh, it, it might not shock you that Ferguson is a, a bit of uh, an underdog, but I, I can't recall the last time we saw a top five ranked opponent taking on a guy who, you know, is just on the inside of the top 10 and Benil Dariush and, and be the underdog. So Tony Ferguson still very dangerous, maybe even more dangerous than ever in a roundabout mm -hmm. way because his back is against the wall. Uh, but he is the underdog and, not that Tony Ferguson needs any more fuel to his already uh, insanely hot fire, because he, he definitely is an intense individual, uh, but I would not want to be standing in front of Tony Ferguson right now, because while, yes, he's on a bit of a skid, maybe the first time really in his entire career that he's been on a skid like this, I think it just makes him all that more dangerous. 100%, you know, and, and he is, he's a madman. I'm such a big fan of Tony, but like, he's just nonstop, never stops training, always finding crazy and intense ways to challenge himself to, to, you know, intrigue his mind and, and, you know, just doing these unorthodox things. Like he's an amazing athlete and he really is a workhorse. He works hard, he does not stop working. And um, I think that you're right. I think that being the underdog in this is maybe good for him. It may be what he needs, you know, to, to one, I hope he didn't work more, which he probably did, you know, and overwork himself because he doesn't feel like what he's done the last couple of fights was enough. But, you know, maybe he can work in a different way and, and come out here and, and just kind of went. I hope he went back to the drawing board and just made some changes mentally, because that's where I think that the problem is right now for him is it's been something mentally and emotionally who knows what he, we don't know what's going on in his personal life personal right. life 
And so hopefully he went back to the drawing board because he's such a talented athlete. He's talented in so many areas in his fight. And, um, yeah, and he comes out here and he just shows, you know, like really all of, all of his hard work and, and his efforts and, and being one of the best athletes in the world. Chatting with uh, Tony earlier today, he talked about going back to the drawing board and basically just tearing down his entire uh, camp's infrastructure and building it back up. He's uh, uh, talked a lot with Brock Lesnar, um, you know, uh, Marty Morgan, uh, you know, f- uh, phenomenal wrestling coach, someone that was re- very pivotal uh, to Brock Lesnar's success in, in, you know, collegiate wrestling as well as uh, mixed martial arts. And, and Tony talked about having the uh, mindset of uh, an Olympic level uh, athlete. He feels that he is. That, just that, world-class, elite, Olympic-caliber um, mixed martial artist. And if, if he has been able to find a new, more optimal way to train and get ready for this fight, that's terrifying. Like, if, if Tony yes. Ferguson is able to be more dialed in than he's ever been before, like good luck standing in front of him. He's just going to obliterate you. And I don't mean that in, in the way of just fighting uh, inside the octagon, but his mindset is almost an attacking mindset. Like you don't even need to be in an actual physical confrontation to be locked in warfare with Tony Ferguson. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's a terrifying yes. individual. And, you know, to, looking at his opponent, Benil Dariush, you know, a lot of people bring up that intensity of of Tony. And Benil said, like, look, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to match his craziness. I'm going to go out there and be just as crazy and out crazy Tony Ferguson. I mean, those are bold words and, and something that I kind of worry for Dariush in the sense that, you know, go out there and, and fight fire with fire. But. Don't try to be too crazy. You still got to be Benil Dariush. That's what got you to this point. If you try to be mm-hmm. Tony Ferguson while fighting Tony Ferguson, that may be to your detriment. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting because both of these gentlemen, they have s- such different personalities, literally day and night. Uh, Dariush is, is very calm, collected. You know, if, if I, I, I got to watch the embedded and he's, on a, he's in a horse carriage ride with his wife and, and that's what they're doing on their Sunday. And Tony Ferguson is at 2 AM outside running miles. Um, and so they're just such different characters and personalities. And so, yes, if I think that Dariush, if he does go in there and allows Tony to set the pace, that is a very hard pace one to match, but to keep up with. So you're hundred percent on TJ when you say he needs to go out there and do what he has done. Dariush is good at doing in his pace and, and get and force Ferguson to fight at his pace. Looking at, you know, what's on the line here between these two gentlemen, I think uh, Michael Chandler's success in getting a title fight in just his second UFC fight actually emboldens both of these guys to really go out and make a statement because style points gets you places in this sport. And when you're the co-main event to the main event of the lightweight championship of the world, your division, the belt that you want to get, both of these guys could go out there and put on a fight of the night type performance or, you know, performance of the night and just slide themselves right into that number one contendership spot. And uh, that's what's really exciting here because this division, for the first time, is really wide open. When you look wide at it, open. obviously, Oliveira and Chandler are going to be the undisputed champ as Khabib has uh, vacated. But, you know, you got Dustin Poirier, who's going to be fighting uh, Conor McGregor coming up here uh, in July. Uh, you know, Oliveira, Chandler. 
Chandler, Ferguson, uh, Hooker, you know, uh, one ahead of of Dariush. Uh, This division, like, you can't, like, you cannot make a bad fight. Like, Sean Shelby and and Mick Maynard, they don't have easy jobs. But when it comes to matching the top 10 at 155 pounds, you really can't go wrong. And with that said, think about what is really at stake for Benil Dariush. He's just on the inside of the top 10 fighting a, a guy who's number five, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that this is going to happen for sure, but Benil Dariush stands a very good opportunity at going from number nine to possibly number one, number two type contender if he plays mm-hmm. his cards right and is able to pull off a big win over Tony Ferguson. 100%. I mean, that lineup, that's just, that's a line, that's a room full of monsters right there, that whole top 10 division. And you're right. He does. He puts himself immediately in the top, the top half of that, of that division there. And, and, and yes, in a fight or two can be on, on his way or in, in a, and find himself in a, in a title fight. Um, but I think also the same for Ferguson, right? He's had, he hasn't had the best performances these last couple of performances, one amazing, spectacular performance or, or, you know, the finish and he's back in, in the talks for a title contention, you know, and, uh, you know, it's just, this is also one of those fun fights, you know, and it's two different personalities, two different styles of fighting. Let's see how these two go in there and dance. You know, I, I know that again, I've said this already in the show, but it's, what have you done for me lately? That's what the sport is. I, I know that Tony Ferguson hasn't looked great, but I don't think that there's a, a man more poised to literally erase the memories of the masses if he's able to go out there in style on Benil Dariush. I, I know that, you know, we're, we're coming off back-to-back fights where Tony Ferguson looked human. I mean, this man very rarely looks human. And, and the, the, the DuBronx fight was definitely hard to watch if you're used to vintage Tony Ferguson. But if he goes out and is able to secure a quick win, I think it's safe to say that you can erase the memories of, of the way that he did look in his last couple fights. I mean, the, the, the Gaethje fight, like, what are you going to do? Justin Gaethje is just uh, an insane human being for a lot of different reasons and, and how well he performs. And, and Ferguson, you know, it was just scary seeing him sort of, like, tell his, his brain, look, you can't shut off right now. Don't shut off. We need to fight. Like, he, he is, he, he's, Tony's one of those guys that might be too strong mentally for his own good. Because I think he was yeah. like locked in an argument in his self, like, like, dude, I don't care how hard we get hit, we can't get knocked out. We got to go win this fight. Granted, he didn't win that fight, but that's the the mindset in in the way that Tony Ferguson carries himself. I mean, his, his nickname is El Kakui, the the boogeyman. Yes. Is there a, a better nickname for Tony Ferguson no. than just that? No, he really is the boogeyman. He's a monster. He's a he's a scary individual in every which way you look at him. And, uh, you know, you're right. That reminded me of the, the fight, the Ortega um, Hall- uh, Holloway fight, where, you know, they had to, to get in there because he was not, you, you just have these, they're warriors, they're right. warriors, they're, they're not going down, that you have to, you have to kill some of these men to, to force them down. And um, Tony Ferguson is one of them, you know, he really is, he's, he's, he's a warrior. 
100%. That is your co-main event, and it's honestly worth every main event dollar you would ever spend. Uh, this mm-hmm. card, UFC 262, uh, a phenomenal one. Let's take a look at the, the odds one more time here and get you ready for the main card. Uh, again, Tony Ferguson, plus 135. Uh, crazy to see that. Benil Darius, the favorite, at minus 165. Uh, pretty fun fight in the flyweight division as Caitlin Chukagian takes on Viviane Araujo. Uh Chukagian, you know, a staple of this 125-pound division. You know, you talk about style points. You got to believe that she, uh, you know, the win is is paramount. She wants to go out there and, and get a win. Taking on someone like Ada Ujo is uh, no uh, easy fight by any means. But Chukagian's in this tough spot where, you know, she's going to have to do something big to fast-track her way to get in front of someone like Valentina Shevchenko again. Um do you think she's feeling that pressure at all? I mean, she is the 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 favorite here. She is the the divisional stalwart. Um, but I gotta feel that if, if she wants to get back to where she feels that she belongs, uh, she's gonna have to not only win but do so with some flair. Chu, uh, God, I'm so bad at her name, but yeah, Chukagian. I, I Ch- Chukagian. You can just she say Caitlin is- too. Yeah, Caitlin is way easier for me. She is such, she's so talented and, and she's so talented in, in, in many different areas. She's got, she's a long, lanky striker. She's got great strikes, great movement. We're watching it right there. These great ones and twos and ins and outs and these long straight kicks. Um, and then she's also got a really, really great uh, grappling game. She's a brown belt from Henzo Gracie. I mean, she, she's a very talented athlete and worked very, very hard. And um, I think Vivian is, is, she's not new, but she's one of the newer flyweights, right? And she's incredible. I mean, she's, she came in and she's just breaking down doors. This, this is definitely one of those fights. Uh, Vivian has great striking, great talented Muay Thai fighter, um, power, carries a lot of power, packs a lot of power. So this is, this is, you know, this is a big fight for Vivian as well as, as Caitlin and Caitlin has, has said, she wants a title. She wants another title shot. She wants to fight Valentina again. She's that's what she's here for. And, um, you know, I think that, uh, she's had some, some, some hiccups in her, in her last couple of fights. And, uh, you know, that, that makes you stronger. It really does. Like she didn't have a long fight, her last fight. And, to come out now and it does, we didn't get to see the improvements in her game. So we still don't know. I mean, we haven't seen Caitlin for a while, if you think about it. So this is a very interesting fight between these two very talented ladies. You know, look, Vivian's number seven and she's already getting a crack at number two. I mean, that's a big deal. This is a big fight for her. And that's the thing, too, about Caitlin Trukagian. Like, she's a true number two. Like, there's only two women in the world on any given night that you're going to lean uh, at beating her. Like, she's that good. And and that's one thing that I think, you know, we talk about Charles Oliveira being in the UFC for, you know, 11 years. This is not a promotion where you can just go in and be like, you know what, I lost my last couple fights or I had a couple fights that didn't go my way. So, you know, I'm going to get a gimme fight, you know, tune up here. Like, you don't get to do that in the UFC. No. And, and that, I think, is something that gets lost in the narrative when, you know, Chukagian has that number two next to her name. Yes, it's not the 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 gold C that she wants, that of a, a champion, but that number two is earned 
every single second inside that octagon. And Viviane Araujo is going to do everything she can to uh, supplant uh, Chukagian from that number two spot, put herself there, and who knows. Uh, when, when you look at that division, though, it is the great Valentina that lords over everyone. And, you know, I think, you know, the, the opponents that she's dispatched as a champion – needs to really sort of be driven home. Valentina Shevchenko is better than everyone that she's fought uh, in this flyweight division, but that is not a slight against her competition because the, the people that she has beaten, they pretty much beat everyone else other than her. Like, Caitlin mm-hmm. Chukagian is that good, and Valentina Shevchenko would be a sizable favorite over her again if they fought. And uh, I feel like we we fall in love with uh, you know a lot of the the poster uh, champions of the UFC and, and what they've done in some of the world's you know biggest fight cards. But Valentina Shevchenko, if she's not on your pound for pound list, you're just not paying attention. Right, right. She is incredible. She is so talented. She just has this killer instinct like the mentality that she has when she steps inside that octagon is is one to it's a hard to compare talk about you know elite level athletes or some of the greatest like michael jordan mindsets valentina shevchenko we'll be talking about her in a few years now having a valentina shevchenko mindset because she's so locked in she's so focused and the striking, the, the grappling, everything, everything she takes so seriously. And, you know, her sister's fighting this weekend. So That's right. she's, she's training hard and, and working, she's been working hard and, and, uh, you know, it's still a part of a fight camp right now. She didn't, she didn't take a break after her big fight. So it, it's, uh, and that's why she's the best, you know, it, it, I've interviewed her and I've talked to her and they travel the world as a team. They go everywhere together and they never stop training. They never stop working. I mean, we saw her on the pads this week with, with her coach and that was impressive. You know, her, the spinning kicks and the, the side kicks and the punches and, and she's just so dialed in. She's incredible. This is, you know, it's it's a tough, like who's next. It really is. It's who is next. And, and Vivian, I cannot say her name. You, by the way, are killing it on names today. Okay. I'm trying. Vi- Viviane Araujo. Viviane. Viviane. I mean, that's that's yeah. the problem. Like, you can't go one way or the <laughs> other. Like, Viviane is kind of hard. Araujo is not any easier. She has an opportunity this week to go in there to put a statement, to make a statement and get a title shot. And and at this point, you know, we need we need some not fresh, you know, but Valentina needs some opponent. Yeah. She's not slowing down. No. And she's like, I'll fight every single woman in this division. I just want to keep fighting. She's a rock star. And amazing. Yeah, she is. Yeah. So, you know, Vi- Vivian really does have a big opportunity this week to, to really make a statement and get a title shot. All right. If she does, if she go out there. Speaking of statements, we're uh, sort of paying homage to some of the great UFC debuts that have taken place over the 25-plus year history uh, of the Ultimate Fighting Championship. I think this November will be 28, which is insane. Um, wow. did, you, did you watch UFC 1? Be honest. No. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, your honesty is very refreshing, Pearl, because there are people like, oh, yeah, I, I watch UFC 1 live, and I'm like, yeah, but you're like six years younger than me, and I was nine when UFC 1 happened, so you weren't watching it when you were three, dude. Come on. Unless you're watching it on UFC Fight Pass, which, 
Yeah, you can do that. So, okay. So I have a question, which is something you would probably know when UFC one was, was MMA called MMA or was it no holds barred? It was no holds barred. Well, honestly, at that point it was just UFC pretty much because we didn't even know what it was. Like it was just ultimate fighting. Yeah. Mm, Okay. That's cool. Do you remember the first fight you ever saw? Like MMA fight? No. No. I remember no. the first first fight I ever saw was like Dan Severn and Anthony Macias, and uh, Severn like does multiple belly to back German suplexes. Oh my gosh! I thought it was Insane. stupid. I thought it was stupid. I didn't like it. I was just like, "This is boring." Uh, Where's Hulk Hogan? Really, yeah, belly to like back? It. I didn't like it. I didn't care for it. it. wasn't It wasn't. Nobody was running off ropes or grabbing steel chairs. You know. So ah, okay, okay, okay. But then that is. I was too young. That's devastating. I was too young. Yeah, oh, one hundred percent. Oh my god. Yeah, and then uh, then I circled back to it, and I saw Tank Abbott knock out Steve Nelmark, and I was mortified, and I needed more of it. <laughs> you were hooked from there. Pretty much, <laughs> pretty much. Uh, as I mentioned, uh, you know, paying homage to some of the great UFC debuts over the years, and uh, I was in the building on this night as well. UFC ninety, Chicago, Illinois. Were you there? Wow. Anderson no. Silva versus Patrick Cote. You were probably fighting mm-hmm. someone. Um, uh, no, I was not. My very first UFC I had ever went to was, um, the one in Chicago. It was, um, Henry Cejudo versus Marias. Okay. Yeah. That was, that was uh, my very first UFC I've seen, I had seen live quite a few years, uh, after this one, but, uh, on this night inside the Allstate arena, uh, right outside of Chicago wow. in Rosemount, uh, we saw JDS, uh, really flatline Fabricio Verdum. Verdum was a, yeah. a pretty big favorite. And uh, the fuzzy-headed Sagano was able to get it done with one of the most vicious and violent uppercuts you'll ever see. Oh, Just my God. Right look at that thing. Done. Um, Jesus. Vicavalo, Fabrizio Verdum, was uh, a big favorite in this one. But you know what they say about numbers. They don't win fights. Uh, but no. but right-handed oh uppercuts on the button, they win fights. That yes. was uh, a debut. Not many ever would forget you know what I'm, I'm just noticing it now we already played the anderson silva debut against chris lieben i was not in the building for that one but uh at least three of our four debuts i was in the building for um wow. this one took place in las vegas uh alistair overeem taking on brock lesnar and for lesnar this was almost his second debut in a roundabout way because he had just been off uh for a couple of years due to diverticulitis and, um, you know, when, when he came back to fight Overeem, I was a little bit worried for Brock in the sense that he's taken on, you know, th- this very monster. experienced monster in Alistair Overeem. But Overeem, a, a guy that you, you have to worry about him shutting the lights off, um, but also his body attacks. And, you know, Lesnar had just had, you know, significant amounts of his colon removed due to diverticulitis. I, I can't say that I s- right. saw the knee coming to the body that would end the night uh, of Lesnar. But in hindsight, you just had pieces of your colon removed. Do you really want to fight a man who can knee your guts in? Yeah, no. I mean, and I look at Alistair, and Alistair was one of those guys that I thought, if he ever, like, if I were to get kicked by one of his kicks, I would die. Like that, he just, his striking is the power. He's just, oh my God, he's an amazing striker, you know, for, for such a big guy. And then, you look at um, Lesnar, who I remember watching him, and I was like, God, he's so fast. 
he's so fat. His grappling, it was, he was so impressive. He was this huge, big muscular man that had phenomenal wrestling and wrestled like a, like a, you know, a lighter weight man. It was, he was definitely like, you know, before his time, if you could, if you could say, but yeah, here, Alistair just put his, put it out, turned off the lights. Yeah. Um, you know, no one ever wants to get hit in the head, but I think I'd rather get hit in the head than eat and knee to the body by the ream. Yeah. By yeah. the ream. Right. That's what I say. One of yeah. his kicks would kill me. Easy. I would die. I mean, it's, it's hard to dispute that. <laughs> Very hard to dispute that. Um, let's see here. Looking at, the, oh man, this, this might be really honestly the best UFC debut. You know, we have oh to sort gosh. of see, you know, time elapse, but, uh, Yuri Prohaska coming in, taking on, uh, Vulcan Uzdemir. And it's like, wait, you're fighting Uzdemir, who's essentially like, uh, you know, top three, four, five guy in this, you know, stack division. You're fighting him in your debut. That's not advisable, but no, it was the best thing that Yuri Prohaska could have done and for good reason this man is just he's styling like i i we talk oh about God, momentum I, I don't think that there's uh a fighter that has more momentum right now than yuri prohaska no and like look at the technique like look at him he looks like a video game guy you know what i mean like this dude is amazing the power he throws the head mo the movement that he has He's able to switch feet constantly balanced can throw and strike from any point in the fight like this dude is amazing and he's like growling at Uzdemir it's like you, oh would, my God. you would think that Prohaska has already had like a UFC title fight under his belt at this point not you know the other way around yeah I, I you know I know that this is on tape but like Wait. I just I just get nervous watching him fight because I know what's going to happen and it's just a matter of time and my body still has a reaction every single time uh, I see that finishing combo land on Vulcan look at that head kick god what a beautiful look at that head kick was devastating i can't believe that guy's still standing from that thing and i still love the fact that prohaska was like okay ufc opportunity at this point in my career you know what i'm gonna wait i'm not ready yet i don't want to you know rush it and yeah you know he waited and uh for good reason like i don't mm -hmm. know I i'm not gonna say that he's the next ufc light heavyweight champion yet i don't want to anoint him and put the cart before the horse but if it happens I will not be shocked. Really? I think, I think that he has so much potential. I mean, look what he just did to Dominic Reyes, who was not too long ago a challenger. I mean, he's Dominic Reyes fought the top of the division his last couple of fights. I mean, we just got done talking about this and he went out there and he didn't do it in like, Oh damn. He, he knocked him out. He threw a spinning back elbows, like right. one of the hardest techniques to pull off and like shut him down. You know, like that is incredible. Talk about like being in the moment and like instinctively doing something like he threw a spinning back elbow and put his lights out. Like, I think that we will be witnessing. I mean, who does that? Around his who does that? You like spinning Crazy. back elbow, you know? And uh, I remember John Jones. I, I, I wish I had the, uh, the video of it. John Jones had a fantastic UFC debut. Which I was also in the building for that one, too. UFC 87 in my hometown Jeez. of Minneapolis. Um, Andre Guzmau had came over to the UFC after fighting in the IFL. I think he was the IFL uh, light heavyweight champion. And people thought that Guzmau was just going to style on this kid that no one ever heard of named John Jones. 
And uh, I was up in the balcony, like far, far up in the rafters of the Target Center. And you mentioned spinning back elbows. Jones was landing, spinning back elbows. But because of where I was sitting, I couldn't tell what he was doing. I was like, was that a spinning back elbow? I don't think I've ever seen a spinning back elbow. So, of course, it wasn't a spinning back elbow. No, it was a spinning back elbow. So, Wow. I used to go to a lot more UFCs than I do now. I haven't been to UFC since 2015. Wow. So that yeah. means this year. This is the year, TJ. Maybe. I hope so. Hey, wait. Are we going to Houston? I don't think so. I think we were supposed to go no. to Houston. What happened? We were. I don't know. Steve? Where you Steve, at, Steve? Frankie? Frankie? That's all right. Things have been going on. Um, we should round things out by looking at uh, the best of April on UFC Fight Pass. This one took place in wait. the LFA. Um, you know, I... Jeez. This, this is going to sound his head off of the canvas with his elbow. Did you see that? Yeah. It was like a, ba it was like a basketball. Let's see. Do you play that again? Play it again. Do you play it again. I don't know. Maybe it'll happen again. Oh, damn. This, okay. this, this is one thing I'm going to say, and this is going to sound like I'm trying to give you the hard sell here, but if you aren't on UFC fight pass watching, you know, not only the archive and, and some of the biggest fights in MMA history, but if you're not watching on the regional level, the, the icons, the LFAs of the world, you're just doing it wrong because that's one thing I will say. Yes, you have name value, you have continuity in this big card coming up at UFC 262, but the future, the UFC 362, those guys are fighting right now in these regional shows and the ability to watch all of that stuff at your fingertips on any device, it's the biggest no-brainer in combat sports. $9.99 a month, uh, get on UFC Fight Pass. Absolutely. Not to mention Pearl Gonzalez everywhere. Yeah. And you, TJ. I, I, just, I just wish I had that haircut that we're seeing here from uh, uh, the Which man. Which one? Uh, Batterell, I believe his name is. No, you know what haircut you need? I um, Amanda's uh, nephew showed me today. It was the one Ronaldo had where his whole head's bald, but then he just had the bangs right in front. Okay, yeah. Um, I can't grow bangs. That. I can't grow bangs. If it was the other way around, we're good. But bangs are the one things I can't grow right now, Pearl. Oh, unless damn. we unless we bring the bangs from the very back of my head. You know? <laughs> it, is it still bangs if it's the part of my mullet that's in the back? I don't know. Oh, let's do it. Let's try it. Well, we can do one of those pasty ones on. You know where we paste it on? Oh, I mean, yeah, sure. When you said pasty, I just thought you were talking about my uh, my complexion. No, no, not at all. I'm talking about like a pasty, like, you know, like stick it on your head for you. That would be right. really cool. Some action here from LFA 106. This just getting in uh, in the month of, of April, April 30th, to be exact. I haven't watched. Is that in April? What's that? Do we have a fight in April in Icon? I think so. Wait, was, weren't we in Sinaloa at the very beginning of the month? Jeez. Yeah. Oh, yes. You're right. See, there's a Jeez, lot Those are like on. 10 back. Those are like at least three to the back of the head. That's kind of brutal. But geez, look at that head kick. Oh, hey, my God. That glanced off the top of the head and still had they that much effect. Fell. Yeah. Jeez. Look at this. Oh, 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 oh. Man, look at that guy. Still, he might still be sleeping today. He that just woke it. up. He awesome. just woke up, Pearl. Woke up. He woke <laughs> he up for extra woke. rounds. He just woke up. <laughs> All right. What's this? Oh. MMA? Yeah. Oh, well, this is okay. you and I in Sinaloa. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is a monster here, too. Hey. Oh, man. I forgot about that when that poor guy hit his ribs on the corner. Like, Juan Tyson Grinnell Medina is a warrior because 99% of all people are like, no, I'm done. I just got thrown yeah. out of a ring. He broke his ribs, actually, on that thing. It's kind of crazy. Look yeah, and, and then, Chris, then Chris Curtis trying to break his face, and <laughs> Bruno still, I mean, he, he's, he's trying. a tough dude, Tyson. Yes. He is. Curtis is a very, very talented athlete. And I, lo- I love his mindset. He's just like yes. on the journey of being a fighter. He's, you know, not putting a bunch of uh, pressure on himself. He just wants to go out and shine. And when you throw a man just smooth out of the ring, like that's that's style points. I, maybe it's style points that get like a point deducted if you do it too many times, but I'll watch it all day. It was. Let's see this one. Nice little, little kicks there. Ooh. Oh my god, you see how he set that up? No. With those kicks, I can't even think of the name of those kicks or oblique kicks. He set it up with the oblique kicks. So he was using the oblique kick to get him thinking he was going downstairs and then, oh gosh, brought him down a little bit, brought, brought, look at. Oh my oh. god. Boy, and then, then boy, you, and you see that Superman. little jumping like uh, punch at the end as well? Like, man. It was like a Superman dive, I guess. Oh look, he won that boombox thing. Man, how many events did LFA have in April? Oh, hey! Oh my hey. God! Look at that's the bouncing. That's when he bounced the head off. But yeah, that was great timing on that takedown. Beautiful technique and slam, and then bounced his head right. like a basketball with his elbow. I mean, just he, he never stopped moving too. It was like almost one solid movement. Okay, takedown. Boy, take that's such a big takedown. And he immediately the shoulder. He immediately oh sees the opportunity to throw those short elbows and just yeah. Mm-hmm. That's why it's so important that the referee gets in there because uh, mm-hmm. you know the, the 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 great ones never seem to have to switch from oh I'm grappling to I'm striking. It's just uh, I'm gonna hit you every second I can and. Uh, yeah, side control is not side control is not a position a lot of people do ground and pound from, but if you have the ability to elbow the head there, you do some damage. Absolutely, and you have such great control over your opponent that yeah, they, they, there's huge opportunity for elbows and and short strikes there. So how many days away until your uh, boxing match? Uh, it got moved to June, okay. so I have some time. So I'm actually headed to San Diego tomorrow. Oh. I'll be in San Diego for a couple of days, moving all of my stuff out of my apartment. So I take it we're, we're not doing extra rounds then on Saturday. You're busy. Um, I actually, uh, maybe, I might be able to do extra rounds because I fly back pretty early. Well, you let me know. I got Longo waiting in the wings anyway, so he's going to be on no matter what. But, oh, uh, I'm going to miss you guys. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Uh, don't tell Ray you're not doing the show because if he finds out you're not doing the show, then he might back out and then I'll be all alone. Oh no! Okay, well I will let you know. I'll look at my flight schedule and let you know if I can if I can make it. I should be able to. Awesome. Are you taking Loki with you, or is Loki hanging out in New York while you're gone? Uh, I haven't figured that out yet. We'll see. I kind of wait till the last minute to figure those kind of things out. I'm kind of a last minuteer. Well, type I of mean, a person. from the sounds of it, Loki doesn't want to go to the <laughs> airport with you anytime again soon. So no, he hates it. Yeah. 
Uh, all right, Pearl, we'll save travels back uh, to San Diego. And uh, if you're free, we'll talk to you on Saturday. If not, uh, we'll talk to you next week. All right. Have a good night, DJ. You too. Pearl Gonzalez. Bye. Checking in, doing extra rounds. Uh, really stacked show today. Uh, for a variety of reasons. Really fantastic guests. Uh, we'll recap that here uh, in a moment, uh, but more action uh, headed your way as well uh, on UFC Fight Pass. We'll get into that in a brief moment, and we'll come back and put a bow on a pretty stacked extra rounds here on UFC Fight Pass. Don't go anywhere. It's been a long journey for the true believers who champion MMA before it was fashionable. Through the ups and downs, many have come and gone, while two iconic brands stayed in the fight. I'm turning the page and breaking away. The UFC and Venom are pioneers of combat sports, bold innovators and history makers who shape the future by delivering what fans want and what fighters need. Today, with mixed martial arts surging in global popularity, the UFC and Venom have joined forces, and the next evolution in combat sports is just getting started. I'm just getting started. You can knock me down. Never knock me out. Came back feeling brand new. Tell me how you like me now. When you find the perfect fit, it just feels right. I bet you thought it was done. Really, we only begun. Yeah. You ain't seen nothing UFC Fight Kits by Venom. Inspired by the journey, evolved for the future. We're not done yet. No, not quite. Hey, everybody, it's Extra Rounds on UFC Fight Pass. TJ DeSantis. Just wrapped up with Pearl Gonzalez, and my machine is not operating the way it needs to. We'll be back on camera here in just a moment. But uh, until then, oh, hi. How are you? I want to remind you to uh, be here immediately following all the events coming up uh, on Saturday. UFC 262, as soon as it wraps up, myself and Ray Longo are going to be getting on the air, taking your calls, 917-UFC-TALK is the number. Keep it handy. Uh, you can also text us or uh, give us a, a voicemail whenever you would like. Uh, again, 917-832-8255. That is 917-UFC-TALK. Uh, hopefully we'll chat with Dean Thomas, too, on Saturday night. I know that he's uh, on assignment out there. Dean's big time now, doing some big things with the UFC production team uh, for pay-per-views and, and fight nights on ESPN and the like. But uh, if Dean is free, we'll get him on the air and just really break down what should be a, a phenomenal night uh, of action as the UFC's lightweight division gets a new champion. It will be either Charles Dobronx Oliveira taking on Michael Chandler, and we might even get a number one contender solidified as Tony Ferguson taking on Benil Dariush. Uh, it is a, a one-two punch to be feared as far as main and co-main events are concerned. Uh, of course, you can watch it live on pay-per-view. want to thank our guests for coming on the air today. Gerald McCoy, a uh, fantastic NFL football player, also a fantastic uh, mixed martial arts fight fan, breaking things down. Uh, talked a variety of subjects with him. He's a true fight fan. No uh, force of the issue with him. 
Got to get him back on the air. Talk about uh, you know who he likes moving forward. A real MMA fan in one Gerald McCoy, and then of course Heather Hardy. Uh, she's boxing coming up Friday night on UFC Fight Pass uh, on that Lou DiBella show. Uh, Heather really a pioneer when it comes to women's boxing, and has even dabbled in mixed martial arts. It was uh, pretty fun having a chat with her. Thank you for watching and listening. You can always uh, get the archive version of the show in audio form wherever you download podcasts. Uh, whether it be Apple, Google, Spotify, uh, iHeartRadio, um, Amazon, I think we're over there. Uh, download us, take us on the go, whether you like to play video games or go for a run. Uh, we like to make experiences better with extra rounds in your ears. All right, that's it. For Pearl Gonzalez, I'm TJ DeSantis saying thanks for going a few extra rounds here on UFC Fight Pass. We'll talk to you on Friday, immediately following UFC 262 for more extra rounds. TJ DeSantis production. Its content is intended for private use only.